And uh, it was a blessing to be in the Lord's hands. He is truly faithful. He is truly our rock. And on Christ we can stand. And he is faithful. And that's what we, we Anissa and I learned. Um, we put a lot of, uh, of our missions trips in the past of going to Mexico. We put a lot of those experience to practice on this trip. When we go to Mexico, we always said, we called it... Um, we go to a church near the town of Mexicali. We called it, we didn't call it Mexicali, we called it Flexicali. And uh, we basically, whatever plans you made when you went was not the plans that you would actually do while you were there. And that was pretty much sums up our trip. Everything that we planned on, I was given four topics to study for and to prepare for, and I spoke 12 times in 10 days. And uh, none of them the same topics, all different. And, uh, and Pastor Dave, he, he shared uh, his personal record. He did 20 messages in 13 days. And, uh, so, and our translator did all of them. So he spoke at all of them. We did three different retreats or seminars, one for hospital employees, one for a group of three churches that got together and we did a family conference, and then what we ended up doing, the bulk of our teaching, was a pastor's conference to teach them on how to use the Bible in counseling, and how to counsel the people, and actually how to use the Bible and not be driven by all the different things going on around them in their circumstances. And it was quite amazing. Before we get started, we are going to fly through these pictures, so I'm going to apologize quickly. Hopefully, I whet your appetite, and what we'll probably do is have a lot more Q&A on the following Wednesday, and we'll talk more about different testimonies. Then I wish I could tell you everything that I experienced, but it would take me five Sundays to do that. Um, It was very impactful, and um, as we pray, I want... I would encourage you to be praying for the churches of Togo. 80-plus churches, they're all uh, evangelical churches. They are on the precipice right now on a major fundamental shift in their churches. One way they're going to be on fire, uh, dominated by biblical thinking, using Scripture, and, and doing some amazing things, on the other side, they could be collapsing. Uh, it is that um, detrimental right now. Uh, the testimony of many of the pastors was this, was as if we don't gain our families back, the church will be gone in one generation. So all the things that have happened, that all the missionaries have done over the last 20 years, really the bulk of the churches have grown up in the last 20 years, they are afraid will be gone in the next 10, if they don't get a handle on this. So be praying for this. And they recognize it. That is the blessing. That's what is so fundamentally amazing, is the testimony of, of them saying, we've been doing it wrong, we've got it wrong, we've got to change, help us change. And they're right there, and they're ready to change. And so um, I want you to be praying about that and it is it was more important than I ever realized of why we were there. 
Um, I can never stress to you the importance of what took place in that 15-day stretch time with those pastors and those churches. And um, they are under heavy attack from their culture. And, uh, and I want to remind us, because I think we forget what that's like. And we have, we have forgotten. So what I want to do is I want to pray. I'm going to read some scripture. And I want you to think about these scriptures that we're going to read in this parable or this teaching from Jesus in Matthew 15. That's where I'm going to start, Matthew 15. And then I'm going to share with you all these pictures and a few testimonies of what we experienced in Togo. And then I want to go back to these verses. In Matthew 15, uh, Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes because they're picking on Jesus' disciples. And he's picking on them for a lack of things that they are doing. And this might sound familiar. Matthew 15 and 1 uh, through 10 or so, it says this. It says, Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat bread. By the way, in, a, in, in Togo, that's very important that we wash our hands before we eat and make sure that we dry them before we eat because the water is not good. Uh, and so they're asking the same question. Why are you doing this? But he answered and he said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandments of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, who, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me have been dedicated to the temple. It is released from honoring his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandments of God of no effect by your tradition. So what had happened was, God is saying, honor your father and mother, take care of your father and mother. And that was something that's very important. But what the, the scribes and the Pharisees were saying is like, well, you can say, well, all that I've earned, my wealth is a tithe to God, and I need to give it to the temple in worship. It's dedicated to God. So therefore, I don't need to spend any money taking care of my father and mother. So therefore, I don't have to take care of them. And by doing that, they were disobeying a direct command from God and listen and it says you have made the commandment of God of no effect because of your tradition Jesus said in verse 7 hypocrites and it's exclamation point well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Teaching as doctrine, teaching it as important, the commandments of men. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this story and how it relates to what we experienced in Togo, West Africa. And I thank you because I, I pray that it would open our eyes here in America, in Ferndale, in Whatcom County, to maybe some things that we are doing and negating your commands and not being obedient to your words. And Lord, I pray that it would teach us and that we'd realize what Anissa and I experienced in Togo 
in a way, has helped prepare me to encourage our church family here. So that way we don't become vulnerable to the enemy's attack and destroying our church family. So Lord, I pray that you would encourage and help us to learn and grow this morning and to be encouraged by what you are doing in Africa. Just thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Togo, West Africa, you can see the, the dot behind me up here. It, it's on that uh, little turnout there. That's where we flew in. Uh, it's uh, sandwiched by a very thin strip here. And uh, each of these blue dots are places that we stopped and stayed. Uh, where we flew in is right here at the beach. Then we traveled here, here, and up to the north. Uh, it takes an average of 10 hours to get from top to bottom. It's about 400 miles from top to bottom, and it's about 40, uh, 40 to maybe 50 miles wide uh, at all. It's very skinny, long, north-south uh, travel, and uh, very dry, very humid. This is their cold time of the year, and we were dying with 100 to 103 degree temperature and humidity that was off the charts. You'd walk outside and you were already taking a bath. So <laughs> that's what it felt like. We landed and we were all smiles, didn't have a clue what we were getting into. And we were like, whoa, okay. So they drive with kids, both sides, nobody's holding on, kids carry whatever. That wasn't the scariest thing we've seen. We saw a glass coffee table about four or five feet wide on top of somebody's head while driving a motorcycle. And I'm not exaggerating. They carry everything on their head. I couldn't carry that. I could, I, I, they're amazing what these ladies can carry. And uh, it's quite a crazy... The South, um, the predominant uh, is Catholicism and uh, a lot of uh, atheists. And now Muslims are, in, are coming down from the North uh, very heavily. But as you're in the South, you're going to see a lot of of Catholic churches, and we were shocked in the town that we stayed in, in Chico, uh, we were shocked that there was Assembly of God, there was Presbyterian, there was Catholic, there, I mean, it was just like being at home. There was a church around every dirt road, uh, around every, everywhere. So uh, my finger is where we were staying, uh, we, and the Southern Hospital, right here, it's the Southern Hospital is where we were staying, and that's where we were going to be stationed at the guest house, got to see the hospital. When I got there, we had two days before I started teaching at the family conference with three churches. And so what I did is I went and I became a file clerk because they had stacks and stacks and stacks of patient files that they hadn't uh, filed and scripted, and they needed all those done. So uh, they had never seen a pastor or a white person on the floor working, and so they were quite shocked that I was willing to do that. And, uh, and so were the little kids that came running by, and I turned and looked at them, and they were like, whoa! Uh, they <laughs> scared uh, many kids on the floor. <laughs> so big lizard on the floor is what they would say. So it was crazy. Uh, so that's there at the sign at the ABWE uh, hospital in the south. That was started in the early 80s. It was, it's starting to get run down. Uh, many of you heard, the, uh, there was, while we were there, there was a young lady uh, that was a young girl, about seven, who was burned over 50% of her body. She didn't come in for seven days. Her parents tried the witch doctor. They tried a lot of things. 
And it's amazing, uh, typically kids of that size, of that nature, of malnourishment, they would die within seven days. She's still alive. She's doing well, responding to treatment. She is going to be at the hospital for over four months doing uh, skin grafting, healing her skin, regrafting, and having multiple surgeries um, every week. Multiple surgeries every week for four months. Um, so she's going to incur over $2,000 worth of bills, and they're depleting their, their, like their, their, what do you call it, fund, their benevolent fund. And I know some people have asked about how to support that. Um, I was told to uh, contact ABWE. You can go to their website, and you can uh, send uh, money or transfer money to them, say Benevolence Fund, for uh, the Southern Hospital in Chico. And that's spelled right down here, uh, T-S-I-K-O. So the T-S is Ch in, in uh, Togolese. So that's where we were when I got there. Pastor Dave was already teaching his seminars to the, he was arrived early for all the workers. They had a spiritual emphasis retreat to work at the hospital. You have to be a believer and you have to have a reference from a pastor to be able to work there. And so they're all there. They're there to do nurse training and medical training and to work at the hospital. Uh, right over here is the chief uh, surgeon there. Uh, Tom, he's a long-term uh, missionary, and so he is there as well to help out and to encourage the staff. And um, while I was on my knees doing filing, Anissa was out doing two months' worth of grocery shopping with the ladies. These are all missionary ladies, that, and Anissa got to go and, and see what that's like and shopping for two months down in a foreign country. Then after a couple days, we jumped right back in and went into training families. It was amazing. The, uh, their concept of family is dad rules with an iron fist. Everybody uh, from kids to wives get beaten pretty regularly, both physically, uh, sexually, and um, with words. Very, very abusive uh, cultural mentality. And so everything that we were speaking was counterculture. Everything in Scripture, as we were reading Scripture, was counter to their culture. And that's why they kept saying, if we don't get it right, we're going to lose the kids uh, to uh, the church. And so uh, this is what uh, speaking to a group of men looked like. Uh, we had chickens running around. We had dogs. Well, not too many dogs. Um, dogs and cats are a delicacy in Togo. So didn't see very many of them running around. They said, yeah, if you get invited over to a house, a lot of they save the cats for pastors and officials. I said, don't invite me to your house. So, <laughs> so anyway, so yeah. Any, there's not a lot of wild animals in Togo because everything is food. Uh, they covet food, and so monkeys, other animals, not very often. This was the lowest attendance uh, in the morning. They took off work to be there. There was over 150-plus people that day, uh, all the way up to three to 400 people in the evening, standing room only. Uh, outside, they had speakers in the back and in the front and were translating uh, multiple languages. So um, this is Kofi. He was our driver from Lome up to Chico to the hospital. These were... The ladies um, that served us, there was another lady, 
uh, Florence, who is from Ghana, and she was there. They cooked for us and washed our clothes. I mean, we were spoiled. We gained five to ten pounds. They just kept feeding us and feeding us. If we didn't eat, they made sure we ate more food. And uh, you can be praying for uh, Amavi. Uh, she was, uh, got married to another man from another church. The man's parents said, uh, no, you can't get married. Three months later said, oh, yeah, sure, you can get married. Um, and now they're not able to have kids. And so he's, uh, parents are telling him to divorce her. So you can be praying for, for her. She's really struggling because not having kids is a major problem in Togo. And so you're going to be praying for her. So, so when I wasn't teaching, we were counseling. Um, pastor, question. And so that was pretty much our day was teaching at conferences and then counseling uh, when we weren't speaking, I was counseling or answering questions. And so it was quite amazing. Uh, this is Kofi's dad. He's a pastor of the church that we were speaking in. The testimonies between Kofi and his dad were just amazing. Uh, made me cry a few times. And uh, he is the, one of the most humble pastors I've met in all of Togo. And uh, an amazing pastor. And you're going to be praying for him as he takes all the teaching and notes and tries to uh, transform and change the family dynamics within the church. Um, this was Anissa's translator when she was speaking. Um, like I said, we were expecting, she was expecting to speak once. I think she spoke four times and I spoke 12 times. And, uh, and then all the other uh, Q&As as well. Along with uh, speaking at the conferences, I was asked to speak at two other churches for ch Sunday. This was the Sunday school hour at one of the church. You can be praying for this man um, right here. He's the pastor at the church, a very prideful, arrogant man. But the thing is, is when he started praying, um, he was praying that, that the Lord would forgive them for doing it all wrong and that, ask God to help them to change. And um, Honoré, who put all of this together and asked Pastor Dave and I to come, when he heard that prayer from him, he said, I, I just could not believe it. Um, and he says, whatever you guys have been teaching, we need to keep going. And uh, because he, um, he said that was one of the most prideful pastors that they have in their, out of their 80 churches. And to hear the prayer from him um, really blessed Honoré. So you can be praying that and uh, this was one of the choirs this was their kids choir and uh, they're singing about God's holiness and greatness many times they'll take a whole section of like 10 verses and make a whole song on it and sing it. As you can tell, it's full. Standing room only, about 200 to 300 people, about 150 kids from the ages 10 to birth in that church. The whole front row is just all little kids and there was people all standing around outside. 
So we went from there and we went down. This is what we found in the market. Just to give you an idea, those are homemade rat traps. Look how big they are. That just tells you a little bit about how big the rats are there. And uh, this is escargot and pineapple. Sweet treats in the market. I did not eat any escargot. I have, but I didn't eat while I was there. The pineapple tasted like candy. It was amazing. Nice and I got a chance to travel and go over to a blind school that was operated by ABWE, and they make everything. Blind kids doing crafts. In fact, Jared's new Djembe drum that I, we brought back from Africa uh, was made by them, blind kids making it and hollowing it out and carving it. And uh, uh, we brought back some purses and trinkets and necklaces and stuff. They all made them and uh, whatnot. So this was the blind school, and they do a lot of teaching and training. While they're there, they have uh, somebody came in and built them a hydroponics where they grow their own tilapia and all their own vegetables. Brand new are all of these strawberries. They've no, no one has berries. There are no berries in all of West Africa. No berries at all. So this is all new to them. They are just thrilled to have strawberries. So I told them how much strawberries our little patch from the Bleca farm gave us and how we had eight big old bowls, and they just couldn't believe it because they, they haven't gotten any of these because they just got established. Um, but uh, so... This was a special moment. I said I wouldn't show it, but I was teasing Anissa. But watch this. <laughs> so anyway, what they do is they, oh, this is my friend Kong, by the way. He loves pop and coffee. No joke, he ripped the, coffee, or the pop can right out of my hand when I walked up to him and started drinking my pop. I didn't finish that can of pop. He did. And uh, I took Anissa's coffee and gave it to him. I kept my coffee. So, so anyway, coffee is a premium over there in Africa. So what, it, what they do in the hydroponics, they, uh, to keep the other little tilapia fish, if sometimes they go through the filters, they make it in, and they eat the bottoms of the plants and kill the plants. So they put one catfish in every one of the tanks. And so she was... She was toying with the catfish, and that's what came up, and it, it grabs and spits. So she did it, I think, three or four times, and every time she jumped, and <laughs> so it was good. So from there, we traveled north and right to about where the red dot is, right there to Atapame to spend time with the pastors. And on the way there, we went and stopped at a church, or a, a church school. Along with all the churches, they started schools. Because at the schools, the national schools, parents come and tell the teachers, beat my kid. No joke. School consists of this. If you are not learning fast enough in their school, national schools, they take old belts from cars, you know the belts that run the fan belts? They take old ones and they beat the kids with them. Uh, they take sticks and beat the kids. Kids do not like school. So ABWE had a bunch of, uh, literally, they don't like school because they, kids want to learn in Togo. They do. They don't want to go to school because they don't want to be beaten, and they get beaten every day out there. So they started their own Christian schools. These are, uh, she is a, a, basically like a school superintendent and trainer. She goes around and, and helps setting up all the schools and training all the staff. All the staff have to be believers. They all have to be uh, from a church. And they have to be retaught in how to discipline and how to teach uh, in order to be at the school. 
This is a short-term uh, uh, mission student from Liberty University, was there to help in training and teaching at some of the schools. So we were there. The kids loved hanging out with us. While we were there, we got to go out and experience how to buy property. We were walking about a two-acre land of property that they're going to use to train kids on how to do agricultural so they can raise money for the schools and food for the kids because kids have a hard time learning because most of them come with two or three days without food, and so they're starving. So they have a hard time learning, and so they're going to be growing their own food to grow to help the kids in their learning. A lot of these kids are growing in, in their learning and understanding of God and of, of they're scoring higher in their tests than the national schools. And because of that, they have the opportunity to also change Togo nationally because they have better education coming out of, a lot of these believers are going to be coming out of these schools with better education. So there's going to be, there might be a lot of new officials in the next 10, 20 years coming out of these schools. That could be exciting. One of the things about this is we're out counting all the trees because you buy the land, but that doesn't mean you own the trees. You have to buy all the trees too. So we're out counting all the, all the land. By the way, two acres of property was three, three million sifa, which translates into about $6,000. So, and then they had to buy all the trees as well. So. Uh, well, there's some of the cute kids at one of the schools there up at Tapame. This is a kindergarten class. Kindergarten class gets to go first in line because everybody fights over all the food. Um, and so kindergartners get to eat first. And uh, this little cutie, by the way, was carrying a, a cell phone around that she took from one of the teachers. So same in any culture. Little kids want the cell phones. So <laughs> this is a, gives you an idea of what we ate. Uh, when we weren't at the hospitals, this was kind of, this is sourdough bread and corn mixed together to like a sour cornbread. So I'll give you an idea. This is kind of like a puree of spinach. Uh, it's not spinach, but it's like spinach. Uh, and it's kind of like a pesto type sauce, but very slimy with fish underneath it. I called it fish, my spinach fish stew. It actually tasted really good. It does not look good. It doesn't feel good when you put it in your mouth, but it tasted pretty good. So the food wasn't half bad. Uh, this is called pot. This is the good pot to eat in Africa. <laughs> uh, and another fish stew with a red sauce and uh, very spicy. Oh, the spices. You know, some spices are so overpowering it burns your lips. This was nice and spicy and tasted really good, but didn't burn. It was hot, but it didn't burn. So Anise and I were, some of the locals were, couldn't believe Anise and I were eating it. We liked it. And uh, this is called fufu. And I'll show you what the root looks like in a little bit. But it comes off a root. They pound it, and they add a little water until it becomes like Elmer's glue. And I, I never ate a lot of Elmer's glue in school, but they say it tastes the same. That's vegetable soup. Tastes like vegetable soup in the States. In fact, that tasted better than Campbell's vegetable soup. It was very good. So along, again, if you notice, a lot of fish stew. That's a fish. I took the head off so you didn't have to see the head. Um, I ate the head. Anissa ate the eyes. So, yeah, Anissa did eat the eyes. Uh, so this was at the conference. And uh, Honoré grew up in 
Lome, in Lome, uh, Togo, Africa, went to the United States, got his Bible degree, got his seminary master's degree, got his doctorate, became a missionary with ABWE, went back uh, to start training the nationals, what we've been talking about. And this is our translator, uh, Germain, the poor guy that got to, uh, got, uh, to speak every single time we spoke, he spoke. So, and uh, it was rather exhausting, and uh, so there's some of the pastors in the back, and there they are, 80 churches, we had close to 300 show up, and uh, there's Anissa with one of the missionary ladies, Becky uh, Poteet, and uh, she's a single missionary, been there for 25 years, her fiance decided that he didn't want to get married or go to Africa as a missionary. So, and she's been single ever since and just enjoying life in Togo as a missionary and quite amazing. And, of course, every, every time you're speaking, you have little distractions. And they're the same uh, there as they are here. <laughs> so, uh, again, just teaching and training. Uh, and uh, that was our water. They came in. You know those uh, in you get Amazon packages? You know that bubble stuff that you get? That's what they were filled with water, and uh, you bite off the ends and you suck them dry, that's, <laughs> so, and uh, going over, so this, my other shirt, by the way, they handmade, in two or three days, they handmade all of our shirts from fabric we picked out, and then they had the shirts for us, and uh, that's one of mine, um, Jermaine and I were going over notes because they, they didn't add notes to their notes, and they gave me a different subject to talk about. So I was explaining to him. So on the fly, changing what we're doing. That was Togo. So this is another uh, Togolese that has his doctorate in biblical training. And uh, he has he's had the most amazing message on demonology and demons. Demons are very real to all the Togolese. They are deathly afraid of witchcraft, demons. Um, they said people in America just don't understand. They... They are sick. Uh, it makes them sick to think about how it's paraded in America, about how people watch the movies and laugh about it. Or um, To them, it's very real, real all the time. This guy has been persecuted and tried to, uh, his church uh, has been persecuted over and over and over by witch doctors, by um, uh, what do you call lady uh, voodoo, all sorts of stuff that has come out of Africa. His testimony is amazing and he would take sometimes eight hours uh, combating against uh, people who were possessed until they finally either died or came to the Lord. And it was very real. But the best message I've ever heard about how God is in control and God is sovereign and God is faithful and we don't give up and we have to be ready to always fight for our faith and that God will always protect you. And he encouraged... It was. I, I mean, I, w- I would love to have him come and speak on demonology here. I've never heard another one in the United States speak better. So, Nisa getting her translation with Becky. This is Becky's uh, old mobile. She had the oldest uh, truck in uh, Africa missionaries. All of the other ones have brand new ones. Hers is quite old for there. It was all rusted on the inside underneath. But that little thing, five seatbelts, she had 12 people in that. 
and all their stuff on the top luggage rack, to all to come to the conference to hear about the Bible and to be trained and to, and to learn how to counsel. Uh, while we were there, people right off the street come and bring their fr- fresh fried, dried fish, and it smelled. But everybody ate it. I didn't, but they did. It was a little smelly. These are the kids of uh, one of the missionaries. You guys remember the Newfelds? They call them their kids, uh, and they're taking a video. Pastor Dave's videoing them to say hi to the Newfelds. So this is, he says, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the son of the Newfelds, and he is a grandson, second-generation believer. And they were sharing about, and he is now a pastor. The young one is now becoming a pastor. So uh, that's where we were right here in Atapame, and now we move another, I think that hour, six to six and a half hours from Atapame in the middle there, all the way up to Mongo. Along the way, you see the rivers. They are not, there's no shortage of water. You just don't want to drink the water. But the water, they can grow anything. I mean, they're really good. It was really beautiful and all the things that they were doing and growing. And we arrived at Mongo, Togo, at the Hospital of Hope. Uh, and it was quite amazing, quite, a, quite amazing what they do in such a small hospital um, and facility, um, and uh, it was quite amazing all that they did. They're in the middle of Lhasa fever season, and which killed the missionary that was there before, and they're death, everybody's afraid of Lhasa, and it was a big thing. Several people got malaria while we were there, including the Mosleys, Remember Ethan and Melissa? They are, this is where they were stationed. The day after we left, we found out she had come down with malaria and tested positive. So far, so good. We don't have malaria, but uh, we'll keep praying. But uh, we went out, and uh, yeah, this is a funny picture. Uh, so it's 103 degrees at night, and in the morning, it was 63 degrees. I was cold. <laughs> And so I walked out and I stood in the sun because I was, stu- I was cold in the shade. And Anissa took a picture of me warming myself. So the uh, mode of transportation to church that morning was on one of those gators, you know, those four-wheel drives with four seats. And we were all Togolese style. We climbed on top. The kids climbed on the back and on top of the, the gator. And we squished in there. And I, and there inside the church, the whole back of the church is children's church. The whole front of the church is for the adults. And uh, so you have children's church and church going on on the same time. Off in the distance uh, from the compound, in, you can see everybody in the north is living in huts. Uh, they're just starting to learn to make brick buildings. In fact, they were making their brick buildings without concrete, and their bricks during the rainy season, their bricks would wick water from the ground and come up, and it would just disintegrate their whole hut. Uh, and so uh, it was crazy. So anyway, whoop, went backwards. So this was the, the lake. It's a little bit bigger, about the same size as Lake Terrell, and we were roaming around there looking for hippos, and not a four-leaf clover, but the footprint of a hippo. We did not find the hippos, but off in the distance we could hear them. Uh, they were hiding because it was too hot during the time we were there. But we were there with uh, the Mosleys, their kids, Little Ezra was my fill-in for the twins. He's four also, and he loved to hang out and jump on me and sit in my lap. And, and he became my best buddy while we were there up in Mongo for the short time we were there. 
Ethan, again, is the administrator up at the hospital, and Melissa is an internal medicine specialist, but doing everything from surgery to needle natal care with little kids, and does just about everything, and uh, it's quite amazing working at the hospital through malaria. So she, the day that she had malaria, she was out running. She ran the whole compound twice, and 60 acres, so if you can imagine all of that. And she's quite the go-getter, and uh, so she might have got bit by the mosquito here and got malaria, but uh, anyway, so there's some more. They, new, newer style building, their older uh, huts there. Pastor Dave encouraging all the missionaries, there's quite a bit of, so the difference is in the hospital in the south, they have lots of Togolese employees, tons, very little missionaries. Up in Mongo, they have lots of missionaries, uh, nurses, lots of missionary doctors, but almost no Togolese support because most of them in the north is 90% Muslim. And so they have, they, uh, have a lot of unbelievers that are at the hospital working. So they have problems with theft from time to time and stuff. But here's the thing. At this mission compound, they are seeing... Muslims come to the Lord in a place where Muslims would never step foot in a church, ever. But because of the hospital, they are seeing Muslims, more and more Muslims coming to the Lord and getting saved. And so they're praying that they need more staff. The Togolese, they need more Togolese staff. And uh, when, uh, so we ventured out on the compound, found a hut, had to get a picture, of course, and show off our Camp Gilead where or the one that I borrowed from Lyle. So, uh, this is what you would typically see uh, driving down the road. So not only do they pack the luggage that high, but they sit that high. And we were going about 70 miles an hour at the time, passing that, that semi. Uh, when this, so even though they have people up there, it's amazing people didn't die. They do, but it's amazing we didn't see it. But, uh, remember, many of you might remember Sherry, uh, Sharon Rahili. So we got to be with her and spent time with her, and uh, I even I even got to be her nurse. She got sick while we were there, and so we showed her some new medications that she hadn't had, and so I gave her all of my sinus medication that I had, or that Anissa had. So we did without, and uh, but she was driving ahead of us during this, and uh, so a doctor that came from the states bought her that brand new Toyota uh, Land Cruiser. So that's what a new one looks like. Um, Becky's didn't look that way. So, <laughs> so anyway, I got punched for this picture. And Nisa punched me and says, you're not supposed to take pictures of the guards. So you're not. They don't like it when you take pictures. But I snapped this one from inside the car stealthily. And then they came and searched our vehicles. So <laughs> the only time we were searched. And uh, anyway, so Nisa smacked me. See, that's why you don't take pictures. But anyway, so they all have semi-automatic weapons. It's not like in the United States. There's, uh, and amazingly enough, when we were in France, everybody walking the streets, all, the army was in the streets and carrying semi-automatic weapons, all through the airports carrying semi-automatic weapons. It's not like here in the United States. Uh, sometimes the road disappears. We were traveling again about 70, 80 miles an hour, dodging a fuel truck semis, and what they call ants on the road, all the motorcycles. 
Oh, this is, uh, I call him Root Groot, for you guys that are, you know, know the, the Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought it looked like Groot, so I took a picture. This is what they make fufu out of. They, uh, so anyway, this is the fufu root that tastes like glue. So, and it sticks to you like glue. And uh, you heard that they canceled our flights, and so we spent the next two days trying to figure out how to get out of Africa and wondering if we were ever going to make it home. And uh, don't worry, we didn't suffer much. This is where we were during that time. It was, uh, I told Anissa it was her trip to Hawaii. <laughs> and I got smacked and said, no, you will take me to Hawaii someday. So anyway, but this is what it was like, you know, just nice, cool breeze. Got to enjoy some Coke and dry, you know, some stuff. So here's the thing. Uh, as we look at all those pictures, and if you can just go to back to number one. As we go through that, we, hear it, we, we read from Matthew chapter 15. And here's the over thing. We saw hands down the fact that they knew about the Bible, they knew the Bible, they knew how to start a church, they knew that they needed to read the Bible, they knew that they needed to teach from the Bible, but they didn't use their Bibles, they didn't follow the Bible. Families didn't follow the Bible, pastors weren't following the Bible, they weren't counseling from the Bible, they, weren't, didn't, they were like the, in James where it says that the people who hear the word but don't do the word and they become tossed to and fro. And um, it was obvious, uh, the, the stuff that they were going through, the hardships that they were facing, the pain of abuse that they were going through. Anissa felt it more um, in the questions that she got, and she'll be sharing with the ladies next week during the soup time. I encourage you to come to that. Um, she is going to share a lot, and I didn't want to steal her thunder and um, next Wednesday, we'll also be uh, sharing some Q&As. But the thing was, is, is they, what they were doing is, is they were adopting a lot of their culture into the church and letting the culture define how they were going to use the Bible. And that's the easiest way for me to explain all the problems. And as I began to hear all the questions and deal with all the counseling I mean, every day we were doing counseling with somebody, whether it was a pastor, pastor's wife, people at the churches. Um, it, was, it was exhausting, and uh, my brain still hasn't quite caught up with all of that took place. And the emotional part of seeing the starving desire for meat, anytime that we were teaching, they were overwhelmed by the meat of what we were teaching from the scripture. It was obvious that their traditions and the culture around them had taken and, and basically had, um, like Jesus said in Matthew 15, had made the commands of God of no use to them. It had destroyed what God had intended to engrow them and bring great joy uh, in the church. They loved God. They had an amazing amount of love for God uh, and what God had done for them in salvation, but there was not the level of joy that you would think for such an amazing, joyful, worshipful uh, culture. There was not the real joy there. 
And as I began to think about that, I began to think about how it is exactly the same here in America. That is not any different. The problem is, is it's so easy to miss. It's not so in your face. We're not dealing with demons around every corner, literal demons. And we're not dealing with the level of abuse that they're dealing with. We do have abuse. We do have the things that they're dealing with. But it is so predominant in their culture that you cannot get away from it. But I think as I began to think about what God was teaching me was is how easy we overlook God's word and God's commands and how easy it is for us here in Ferndale and Whatcom County to really to let the things from our culture and our society and our life to override being obedient and actually using God's word in our life. And I say, I, you know, how seductive it has become that our culture and the world around us has blinded us to being obedient to God's word. And I began to think about that and say, you know, we need, if we're not careful, we're going to be faced with a harsh reality. And if you look at it right now, the decline of church, people who actually love God, love his word, follow his commandments, and look like Christ is diminishing so rapidly in the United States. We are not anywhere near where the Togolese are. But you know what? What God was telling me while I was there was, Kyle, open your eyes, because this is the American church soon. It's what's coming. And my challenge to us as a church is, is what... What Jesus was trying to get across, not only to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and how sad it is that we overlook sometimes God's commandments for the sake of comfort, for the sake of feelings and emotions, for the sake of our traditions. And, and, and church is no longer about the body of Christ, but church is something we just come and do and we sit and we no longer tell people about Christ. We no longer are excited about what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We're no longer discipling people and training them to use God's word. We're just, we're just coming and fulfilling our duty as a believer to be at church. And, I, and, and how we neglect it. And 1 John chapter 2 and it is very apropos in verse 15. It says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Or in the literal, what it's saying is the love of God is not controlling him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, self, self the love of self, the lust, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. People who are Antichrist. People who are against Christ. I mean, look at our society, folks. People hate Christ. They hate people who stand for Christ. 
Are we going to fall away because we are so much like the world? Or will our church grow and stand firm because we are, are shining the light of Christ from our life to those around us? If we do, we will have real answers to the problems in our community. One of the biggest things is when we love Christ more than we love the world, God gives us answers to help deal with all the abuses that the people around us are facing. They may not be facing the same abuses that the Togolese are facing, but they are facing real issues. They're facing real problems. Where is our love? People, the end is coming, and it's going to come soon. Whether we see it in our lifetime or not, the matter of fact is still Christ is coming. Will we shine bright, or will we have lost our first love? Like in Revelation, it says of the Ephesian church, that he praises and says he lo- their love was great for the Lord, but in the end, what he had against them was that they lost their first love. Is the world our first love or is Christ our only love? Will our church survive? It depends on us. The body of Christ needs to be making much of Christ. Will you help me do that? I can't do it by myself. And, but the, the real thing was that I learned, I was so impacted by this trip about how much they needed. They were taught from missionaries of old, a great foundation, but they're losing the church because they're not using the Word of God in every area of their life. So my question for us today as we apply what God was teaching me, and, and, and I'm asking you to learn from what I've learned and seen, is is where is your first love? Are you willing to put Christ first in all things? Will you help me grow our body, our church family? I want us to have more children here, not little kids. I mean, people who get saved, and then they, in turn, produce other believers by sharing the gospel. Do we have multiple gospel generation in the church? We should. That is my desire. We need to do that. Will you do that with me? Will you help lead people to Christ, teach them how to lead other people to Christ? That's what we've been focusing on for all year. Be willing to tell people about your love for Christ, that they might come to Christ. You can't save people, but you can tell them where salvation comes from. So we can train people to reach more people so that they, so that our church will be a beacon of hope to our community, a hospital for souls. Will you do that with me? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for our time in Togo. I thank you for how it prepared me to come home and be ready for whatever we face, whether it's a burnt stove <laughs> or, 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 or a hurt dog. <laughs> I thank you so much for our church family. I am so blessed. I know Anise and I, Lord, you were tugging at our hearts the whole time we were in Africa to come home 
and to be with our church family, to be with our kids. Lord, you taught us so much and gave, opened up my heart to new things. So Lord, I pray that how you impacted me, that how you led me in my spirit would lead our church family. And that, Lord, you would use your Holy Spirit to use, unite a spark, a spark of hope, a spark of joy, a spark of victory to, Lord, to be proclaimers of the gospel, the good news that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he paid for us because we are not good. There's no one that's good. We've all made mistakes and we stand before a holy God who's going to say, why should you go to heaven? And Lord, we say, because of what you did on the cross for our sins, because of your righteousness. You have closed us with your righteousness because Christ was obedient. He did what he didn't, he loved, he wanted to do that for us, but it hurt him. It was hard, it was anguish, emotional, and yet he still obeyed. Because of his obedience and his dying on the cross, he paid, he was the perfect sacrifice and he paid for our sin. What great news that we have a savior and when we stand before God, it can say, you have been adopted into the family of Christ. Lord, I pray that you would give us as, as a body the strength to be proclaimers, to see more people adopted into the family of God, that we wouldn't be selfish and, and just focus on our life, but that we would focus on the lives around us in our community, all the people that are going to hell, and say, that's not... It's not enough. Lord, I pray that you would bring salvation once again to our church. To see souls saved and changed and lives changed and renewed. Lord, I pray that that would be a desire of our hearts. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us and impact our, our lives this week and give us opportunities and that we would be strong enough to take the opportunity to say, yeah, I love the Lord because he died for me. He paid for my sins. And I repented. I said, I'm a sinner. I need the Lord. And I believe in what he's done for me. I don't believe in my life. I believe in his life. Lord, I pray that people would start getting saved. Thank you for your work. In Jesus' name, amen.